weekend is coming and it's time for a bath Hello and welcome to episode 42 of Get It Whacked, the Macclesfield Cricket Club podcast. Over the coming weeks and months, we intend to go behind the scenes of Mac CC and meet some of the players and characters at the club, find out some things about them you never knew or most likely never wanted to know, and above all, hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Macclesfield Cricket Club is grateful for the continued support of our various sponsors. Today's featured sponsor is George Rhodes & Sons. George Rhodes & Sons are a family-owned business and have been trading from the site in Biddulph, North Staffordshire, for over 80 years. They have a wealth of experience in the motor industry. They have now entered their fourth generation of active family management and pride themselves on offering the best possible customer service through their friendly, professional approach whilst offering superb savings and customer experience. Whatever your motoring needs, George Rhodes & Sons can help. They are able to offer over 100 hand-picked pre-owned vehicles for sale to suit all budgets and your motoring needs. Their cars are price-checked every day to ensure the most competitively priced cars available, not just locally, but nationally. Generous part exchange offers. Tailor-made finance packages with low rates available, subject to status. Vehicle delivery service at extra cost. Full workshop facilities staffed by trained technicians. For more information, please visit www.georgeroads.co.uk. Without further ado, I would like to introduce today's guest. This man is a product of the King's School Macclesfield and former first team captain. He has represented Toft Cricket Club for nearly 20 years, becoming first team captain. Renowned for his accurate left arm orthodox, He has recently transitioned into the world of online coaching and fitness for cricket, as well as more traditional one-on-one coaching. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. James Lomas. Jimmy, how are you? Very well, thanks for having me on. Delighted to kind of have you on as our first guest in a bit of a mini series of, uh, you know, cricketers from around the county, I think we're going to call it. So it's great to sort of, uh, you know, reach out to some of our sister clubs and uh, people near and far. Hopefully we've got a decent reputation and uh, a relationship <laughs> with Get You On. Um, so no, delighted to have you on the podcast, mate. And it's going to be great to uh, talk about all things cricket and a few other things, I'm sure. Yeah, mate, very much looking forward to it. I've uh, been listening to your podcast for a while now. So um, yeah, looking forward to being a guest. Excellent. Well, that's, that's good to hear. Obviously, the reach is growing. Uh, yes. In commas. I don't take myself too seriously when it comes to that, <laughs> So uh, I don't think we'll be pulling in uh, millions of uh, downloads just yet. You never know, mate. You, you never know. You are a man of reputation, Jimmy. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on, mate. Um, I always like to ask people this first question, just to see how your life has been through the sort of the pandemic year of 2020 and kind of how things are with, you know, COVID for you at the moment. I mean, from this this point last year, my life is probably very different to what it could have been had it not had a pandemic. So I was working uh, just a normal office job as an operations manager, sort of working nine to five, Monday to Friday, playing with cricket on the weekends, a uh, little bit of coaching here and there. And then, as everyone knows, everything happened last summer and like a lot of people went on to furlough and it got towards sort of May, June, I was starting to get a bit itchy. I just got the feeling, I thought, job might not be there at the end of this. So what can I do? So I knew coaching was something I've done in the past and enjoy. Uh, and we didn't really offer much one-to-one stuff at the club. And I just knew that, Kids haven't really played for the last three, four months. They'll be they'll be itching to get back out at it. So I thought sort of that would work well. So when I started doing that, sort of June, July, and then it sort of snowballed, mate. Got from there, 
and then so I got made redundant officially uh, end of August September and then sort of made the transition to do it full time didn't really change what I was doing it was just an official that I was I was now going that that way full time and then it's been a fairly challenging couple of months to be honest with you mate I mean you got it was nice during the summer that we got to get outside with restrictions of course but like cricket was possible I can go and coach we can do one-to-one stuff we can do group stuff uh, and then obviously everything shut down in November so then you got a month of well, four or five weeks of not doing anything. Well, in person anyway. And then got teased again in December, did a little bit of coaching again in December. I mean, I was coaching like two days before Christmas, which I never thought I'd be doing. And then obviously here's again in January that we can't do anything again. So it's kind of, it's been tough having that sort of peaks and troughs of it. But I'd be lying if I said I wasn't in a better position now than I was 12 months ago. Well, that's fantastic to hear, mate. And I always kind of ask this question a little bit with bated breath. But um, what I find is that, you know, so many of us around the game of cricket, and, and not just in cricket, but in life as well, have have kind of managed to, to sort of find some positives out of a, you know, a pretty dark situation that the world and, and certainly Cheshire and our country find itself in. But, um, you know, as I say, it's, it's nice to hear about the sort of positive stories. And I think obviously yours is one that, you know, we'll get on to later. But um, yours is one of a bit of positivity, uh, you know, losing your job to turning it around to, to, to now being... You know, Jimmy Lomas, cricket coach. Well, that's it. That's it, yeah. It would have been very easy for me just to sort of sit and wallow for a few months and then not do anything. And then you end up, and then where do you, where do you go from there? So it's kind of just trying to make the most of every situation, aren't we? Yeah, that's that's the only thing we can do. So my next question with, with the guest tends to be, um, you know, what do you do when you aren't playing cricket? Obviously, you've covered it a little bit, but um, maybe you can sort of tell us officially what you're doing now. Yeah, well, so at the moment, it's, it's a case of several different arms to what I'll do. I've got, Obviously, my career coaching that I would that would that would do whether that's individual or team stuff. Uh, I've then started to do a bit. I do a bit of fitness work. So I used to work at a gym called Total Fitness over in Wilmslow, Hamford. Some people might know it. So I worked there for four or five years. Um, qualified as a fitness instructor, personal trainer, and so I'm trying to bring the two my two things I enjoy together, and that's some fitness work and my cricket as well. So we've not been able to do it in person. So I've started doing some stuff online. Uh, so that would be whether that's some classes which I do. So I do three of those per week, some bodyweight stuff and then some stretching Pilates sort of stuff. Um, and again, they, initially it was aimed at cricketers, but then it's sort, of, it's sort of open out to the general public as well, as well as then putting, doing some one-to-one stuff online with some other cricketers, which has been quite good and quite rewarding, actually. But some of those guys from Toffs, some guys are not, and just sort of trying to get those guys ready as best they can be for this year. And then I've sort of been put, trying to put my ideas together on paper and then coming out with uh, an ebook. Again, sort of putting my ideas on paper to then try and get it to a wider audience. So, so it's a lot of what I'm doing at the moment is just trying to grow stuff I've I started from last year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess for you, it's it's all about sort of developing your brand and and um, diversifying without using too much uh, boring business talk. But you know, in these times, you kind of have to. Obviously, you can't do stuff in person. So, you know, every, everyone's out there hustling. Um, and yeah, you you got a lot of strings to the bow. Well, uh, towards the end of the podcast, mate, we'll we'll sort of come back and maybe you can give some plugs and uh, get people yeah, engaged with you on your on your social media and things like that. But uh, for now, I thought it'd be great to kind of take it back and and talk about your personal cricketing journey. So uh, my first question would be, um, what are your sort of earliest cricketing memories? Yeah, so probably untraditional like everyone else. Like there wasn't many members, there were no members of my family that played cricket um, growing up. So we were. I was introduced at one of the the Cheshire cricket courses, you know those summer camps that they do. Uh, so I was eight or nine years old, and I think me, me and my one of my friends at the time, the pair, our parents wanted to drop us off for a week in the middle of August, uh, and it just so happened that there was a Cheshire running a course at Toft that week, uh, so they dropped us off, uh, and then sort of 
I've been there ever since. I loved it. Just loved it from minute one. Uh, and then I've probably got some cricket stuff for Christmas. And then dad in the back garden with me, probably throwing balls at me or letting me bowl at him, et cetera. And then just sort of snowball from there, mate. And then just trying to play as much as I can. And then it was coming through the age groups at, at both um, Toft. And then when I moved to King's, I think it was about eight or nine. It's probably at the same time I moved to King's school. It was about eight or nine. And then obviously they played cricket there as well. So it's just then coming through the ranks and being very, very fortunate to have access to a lot of very good coaches that were very willing to sort of help out and share any knowledge that they had. Well, we'll come back to Toft in a second, but obviously you've touched on uh, cricket at Kings there and obviously some of the coaches. And I'm sure many of us, along with yourself, will be very familiar with uh, certain Mr. Steve Moores. But, um, I, I, you know, I always like to p- ask people uh, about their, their time at Kings. Um, you know, fantastic school and obviously an, an incredibly achieving, high-achieving school for sport. Um, what, what was your sort of experiences of, of coming through the age groups at Kings? Um, you know, perhaps touch on some of the coaching and then sort of progressing to the first team and, and indeed captaining the first team. Kings for me was brilliant. Um, it was the cricket side, it was brilliant. Um, some of my best friends, I'm still friends with now from Kings. And it was just a really enjoyable time in, the, in a school where everyone, the teachers and everyone wants you to do well. And that was that was kind of the message I got from it. It was always trying to support everything you wanted to do, having fun with my mates. And then you got better at cricket or whatever you were doing as like a result of that. And just trying to enjoy your time there. And I, I love it. And I, I've kind of always be grateful to Kings and Steve and all the, the teachers there for all the time they gave up for us, whether that was during school hours, lunch breaks, after school, whatever it was. It was, yeah, it's brilliant. I can't speak highly enough of it. And, uh, you know, we, we touch on Steve Moore's there. Um, you know, synonymous around the Cheshire Cricket Leagues, obviously Macclesfield as well. Um, have you got any sort of memories or anecdotes of coaching with Steve? Were you there at the time when he was doing, uh, you know, lunchtime fielding practice, anything like that? Yeah, all that, all that sort of stuff. And then he used to come and try and bowl some off spinners, said he, said he hasn't bowled in years, and then would bowl everyone through the gate or nick him off every time. He always did that. <laughs> yeah, he's... Uh, He's a, he's a nightmare. I've I've never had the privilege of him bowling at me, and, and frankly, I wouldn't want to, um, mostly because I can't bat. But uh, no, <laughs> I've uh, I've had the pl- great privilege of uh, having him bowling games I've been playing in, and and it's it's a little bit like cheating, to be honest. It's wily is the word I'd use. It's yeah. just it's just just he knows what he's doing, but he he hides behind. Oh, I've not bowled in years. He knows exactly what he's doing, <laughs> and he, he always he walks around after the session just looking in his pocket, and then just. Yeah, it was quite fun. But yeah, yeah, right. Fielding, fielding sessions at lunchtime, all that sort of stuff. It was, it was just, it was just there to support anything we wanted to do in terms of our our own cricket and learning. And then it would come to a Saturday, and he'd sit in the pavilion. Sometimes I think he actually wasn't watching the game; he was just on his laptop doing stuff. But then always knew what was going on. So um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant man. I can't speak highly enough of Steve, but um, yeah, got me out a few times. <laughs> very good and um who who were some of your sort of peers contemporaries uh when you were say at the first team level and captaining yeah so i i probably didn't play as much as i probably wanted to in terms of uh, when i was younger so i probably didn't start properly until i was end of back in the year 10 in the year 11 and when i was when i was just coming in there was uh obviously path was one and we had Khaled and then a guy called Elliot Purden. I think between the three of them, they scored a ridiculous amount of runs. When I was growing up, that was always it was always those three who were scoring runs. When you when you're like year seven, eight at school, kids in the first team are like gods, aren't they? They are just you see them as these other people, and I'm never going to be able to play with them. And then two or three years later, you are doing. And it's 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 quite um, 
it's quite a weird thing, I think, school cricket at times that you then you then get to play. You've got the whole school watching you after school one afternoon. It's yeah, it's uh, it's quite good fun. But in terms of the people I I captained or played with me with this a guy called Joe Stanley, who I'm still friends with now. Had a I saw him this morning actually online. One a really really good cricketer. But yeah, for me it was. I remember when I was when I was captain. It was um, we we're quite a young side. There was only one or two in, in our year, and we we're quite a few younger guys. So someone like Johnny Marsden, Ben Marsden was coming through when I was when I was captain. All both very good cricketers. And I think I, there was a day. It was either the, the last year I was there or the first year I went back to play the Old Boys game or the MCC game, and it was like the Marsden day out. Who had Johnny Marsden got? I think I saw his thing. Marsden senior got fifty or sixty odd with a bat. Johnny got a hat full of wickets and then Ben managed to get 100 as well. It was, something, it was something ridiculous like that. As a family, they had a proper day out. I just, it's one, you know one of those things where you don't think you remember that day, but that day just stuck in my mind. I don't know why. I don't know why I remember that the Marsons had a really good day out, but I do. It's bizarre. I'm, I've no doubt that uh, if Ben Marsden, the Lord, was here, he would be able to tell you every ball of that innings. <laughs> he would do, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And he, in his own little weird, weird way. <laughs> he is one of the best humans I ever met when I was at school. The amount of energy Ben had was phenomenal. He just never stopped. No, that that is certainly one way of describing him. We're uh, we're quite hopeful that we we might get a, a an official holy podcast from the Lord at some point. But um, you know, <laughs> so you get a, a Marston trio, that'd be quite good fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm a little bit wary of having more than uh, two or three people on the podcast <laughs> these days. After some of the podcasts I did back in the first lockdown, where there were like five people on, and it took me about ten hours to edit the thing. But uh, anyway, that's that's my woes. It's not yours, Jimmy. Um, so moving on from Kings, and it's it's great to kind of get a flavour there and, and you know, hearing about Steve and obviously your time and, and some of the, you know, players' names we're familiar with. Um, but I think we, we kind of ought to bring it back to your club now. Obviously, I mentioned, you know, you, you've been at Tofta a wee while now. Um, so I thought it'd be great just to kind of hear about kind of your experiences progressing through sort of junior cricket and um, and then into senior cricket. Yeah, like I said before, it was one of it was by chance we went to Tofta. Uh, I think it was my friend's. My friend's mum, they live relatively close to the club. And so they thought, oh, we'll take us there for the week and then stayed. And then when we went back the next summer, there was the Saturday morning coaching that's quite famous at Toff, that two hours every Saturday morning, you've got all the juniors in the outfield and they move, you move around the field in your different age groups. You start on the nines in one corner, then you go around to tens and elevens and you progress way around till you're allowed in the next on the 13. And it's still quite similar to that now, which I really like. And then for me, it was just a case of just playing loads and loads of cricket. It was, you play, play under nine level, I don't really remember any under nine cricket, and up until you get to like under under ten, under eleven, then I start to get a little bit of memory of certain things, certain games. But it's more the coaches that stick in my mind than actual cricket. So we had a guy called Dave Hughes, who was our coach at under nine level, and he retired twenty nineteen. So he did twenty three years straight of managing the junior system, which is just a phenomenal effort. So him, and then we had a guy called Salim Chima, a guy called Chris Spanton. Uh, got names you, you might not recognise, but to me and the guys in my age group, it's quite quite famous names for us. Like they they stick in our mind that they helped us um, sort of guide us through. And then when I got to uh, 14, 15, you sort of start to play senior cricket. So I was third eleven cricket is where you start, or where I started anyway. Uh, again with um, with Joe Stanley, who I went to school with. So he was a little bit taller than me. So he, I think at that age, you're a little bit taller, you're a bit more ready for senior cricket. If you know what I mean, you're a bit bigger. You can handle things a little bit better. So it was quite nice to me when I started that he was um, he was already there. You know what I mean? So it was quite a comfortable sort of um, process in. 
and then did quite well, got quite a bit of success, uh, took a few wickets, uh, didn't score that many runs, but did okay. Played a bit of second team cricket uh, and then went to make my first team debut and it was okay, didn't do great. And then went back to second team cricket for a bit and then sort of got drip fed, fed back in. But it wasn't really until Toby Drummond took over as first team, as club captain, that I really started playing first team cricket. So when he took over in 2010, I think it was, and we sort of had a shift in policy, right, we're going to go, we're going to get young players and we're going to join them back and we're going to trust them. Um, and that was it from there. So, and over the next few years, I, I bowled a lot of overs. When, it, when you could still bowl 27, 28 overs per week, we, did, we ended up, we had an odd setup where we played eight batters, uh, me as a spinner and then two seamers, or sometimes just one seamer. And I would bowl all day from one end and we have a seamer at the other end. And honestly, that's probably where I learned the most is because you bowl that many overs in a game. You're going to learn, aren't you? You, ha- you kind of have to. You've got to learn on the job and learn on the spot. Uh, and that, and then from there, it's just been progression from there. And then when Toby left, it was it felt quite a smooth transition to then taking over as, as club captain myself. There's a couple of points I'll, I want to touch on there, Jimmy. Some really great and interesting stuff in there. Um, firstly, obviously, going back to, you know, you sort of taking, talking about your days coming through the, the junior setup and coaching coaching Saturdays. And one of the things that became very apparent to me is, um, I, don't, I don't know the, the, the chap that you mentioned who did all those years as sort of head of the academy there, but it sounds very similar to, uh, you know, Macclesfield Cricket Club. Obviously, I don't know if you know uh, Stuart Alfie Garnett, um, who was head of our academy for, for a frighteningly long time. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. little things like you say, you know, the amount of players that come through under his sort of stewardship and, you know, various age groups. And I think that's one of the things that I'm hoping to uh, perhaps, you know, not unearth, but, you know, point out to people in, in doing these sort of series of inviting people from clubs on is, is just to, you know, show show everyone that all of the things that we love about cricket that we think that we have at our clubs, you know, you know, the, there are these people at all, all clubs, <laughs> whether you yeah, know, exactly. you, yeah, you're, you're, right. a, you're a big club, you know, um, or, or even a little, a little village club tucked away somewhere that, you know, cricket throws up these characters. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really just great to hear kind of your experiences and he talked very passionately about that. And then, um, you know, the other thing I wanted to, to touch on, obviously you mentioned there, um, when you made your, your way under, under Toby into first team and, and bowling a lot of overs, um, you know, how, how did you find that kind of physically, I guess, I would say, um, because you know, at the time, you would have sort of been what late teens when you when you, when you sort of got into that position. Yeah, so yeah, so eighteen, nineteen, twenty, and I was it was when I was at university as well. So I was up at I was up at Durham University. So I used to drive or get the train back down Friday night, play Saturday, bowl twenty eight overs, uh, and then more often than not, would have a game in Durham on the Sunday. So would either get the train back. Saturday night or drive back Sunday night, a Saturday night or Sunday morning first thing to then go and play yeah, a, a second team game up at Durham and then we'd then play again train up at Durham during the week and then play on a Wednesday and then do the same again every week so it was did that for a couple of years and it was kind of I didn't really think about the overs if you know what I mean I kind of just thought it was just it was my life that that, that it, was like, it was like a routine every week and I just bowled that many overs but to be fair by I went the year I finished university so I did, and then did that summer. Uh, so 2013, I finished, and then went to Australia that winter. Played a lot of the cricket over there, bought a lot of overs there, and then went, came back about four days before the season started, and then did it all again. By the end of 2014, my left shoulder was falling off. It was <laughs> that's the one time I've, I think I struggled with it. it. Was it was starting to get quite tired, like 18 months straight. But to be honest with it, you just get in. A, you don't end up training that much when you bowl that many overs. I think anyone that bowls a lot of overs at club cricket, you. You kind of think, well, you end up you end up just in a rhythm, 
and then when you when you stop bowling, it's harder to get back again. Back again, if you know what I mean. So it's easy, I think, just to keep bowling. Yeah, I, I mean, I do. Obviously, my, my uh, level of cricket is a, a long way away from yours, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I know someone that sort of bowls a lot of overs on a Saturday, and uh, you know, opens the bowling. Certainly at the start of the season, I, I can't bowl enough. I'm, you know, trying to be in the nets as much as I can. Um, by by midway through the season, I'm <laughs> trying to bowl as little in the nets as I can. Um, so you know, it, it, it's definitely something that I know. But um, I can imagine kind of chasing the, uh, the 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 eternal summer, you know, between an English summer and then going to over, overseas and then coming back again must must have been pretty tough on the uh, on the shoulder, as you mentioned. Yeah, tough, but like so enjoyable. And like, if, if there's any cricketer out there who um, who hasn't gone to Oz and he's got the opportunity to do it, or anywhere New Zealand, wherever it is, go and do it. For me, it was, it's just one of the best experiences. Um, just a yes, you're in a different country, so it's a different sort of cricket. The cricket is kind of like the side piece. That's the bit you enjoy. You're just six months away in another country, enjoying a different lifestyle, and that was it was just like a like a, a real enjoyment to go and do it. it. Didn't feel like a chore, or but you're right, you're chasing that. You're just chasing the sun. And I, I can understand why cricketers now still go and do it. Like I know some that are like early thirties that still go to Australia every winter, and I kind of get it. You know, I mean, you chasing you chasing the sun year round. It's fair enough. Absolutely. And do you want to tell us kind of uh, where you played and and the sort of grade you were playing at? Yeah, it wasn't a great standard to want to make. Um, it wasn't it wasn't great, but I didn't mind that because it meant I could enjoy it a little bit more. So I was at a place called the club I played was called the Altona Roosters. What a name. Um, <laughs> and they they uh, they played in a, 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 a turf league. It wasn't it wasn't a particularly high standard, uh, like I said. But what that did, I thought, it kind of took the pressure off me a little bit. So and it made me enjoy my cricket a bit more because I didn't particularly have to. How do I say this? Um, not worry, but you know, get you, when you go over the pro, you want to. There is a bit of pressure on you, isn't there? And you want to make sure you perform. So it was quite. I was quite happy with the standard that I played. In fact, I can enjoy my cricket as well as do all right at it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I guess, you know, if you're going over there and playing in a, in a sort of, uh, you know, a grade, premier grade club or something like that, there's a there's a lot of pressure, especially if you're coming over and playing sort of first or second grade. It's, yeah, uh, it's I think pretty, it was, pretty serious cricket. It was, yeah, but it, it's kind of what you want in your cricket. I was I was never going to go and turn a professional, be a professional cricket. So I wasn't chasing that. Like I, wasn't, I didn't want to go and play grade, proper grade cricket, find it really tough. Because that wasn't that wasn't my end goal. My end goal was to go and enjoy my time over in Australia and play a bit of cricket. So that's kind of why I was happy with where I went, and it was such a great club to go to. Well, it's really interesting you say that because actually one of one of the sort of next questions was going to be, um, you know, sort of talking about obviously you've come up uh, in your junior career play, playing a lot of cricket, being in around some pretty good environments. Um, was was there ever a stage that you really had an ambition to play professionally, or is that something that you sort of? decided against or, or knew your own relative ceiling at, at, at a younger age and, and sort of never chased it? I suppose a bit of both. I suppose that summer 2013 was probably around the time I was probably bowling my best. And that, that's when I went, I did, ended up playing, um, when I played a second London game at Worcestershire. Uh, I was a net bowling at the England squad at Old Trafford when the Ashes were on in 2013. Um, so at that point I thought, well, maybe. But then I also in the back of my mind thought, I'm... I don't know, am I good enough? I think everyone everyone has those doubts and maybe I didn't push myself to do it that much. It was never a fully, I, I never really woke up one morning and go, I want to be a professional cricketer. It was kind of, I enjoy playing my cricket. I'll go where it takes me. If that's club cricket, perfect. If that's then going to play a little bit higher up, even better. But I'm still just going to enjoy whatever I'm playing. 
And that's kind of what, what I've tried to do with it. I was never, I never stopped myself from trying to play professional cricket. I just think there's probably there's some better cricketers out there. And and like I said, I never particularly pushed myself to go and try and do it. Whether it was ever going to be good enough, I don't know. But I'm very, very happy with how my cricket's gone in terms of where I've played, what I've done. And yeah, I think enjoyment is the biggest thing for me out of it. Yeah, and, and I think for a lot of people that perhaps were maybe flirting with the idea when they were a bit younger or were at a level where you know, there was a possibility of pushing on. I think um, you'd rather probably, dare I say it, be someone like yourself who obviously has come out the other side just really enjoying their cricket, loving it, and, and probably having no regrets to someone that, you know, perhaps chased it on the fringes, never really fulfilled their potential and, and didn't make it. And then, you know, you're carrying that around, I imagine, with you, aren't you? Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, there's a, I mean, you hear about the, the county grind and the second level county grind, how tough that can be going from, county to county trying to find get yourself a contract or going all around the country every week which i can imagine could be great fun i can also imagine be quite tough if you're if it's not going particularly well um and it was just i always like i said i love my cricket but a big part of sort of who i am is i like to do different things and i like to have sort of fingers in different pies and be able to not just rely on one thing the whole time so yes i want to enjoy my cricket but i also want to do my other things as well so that's probably kind of also another reason why i never really chased i only want to do that i want to yeah i want to whatever it would have been you know i want to go work in the gym i want to go and do this one i do that i want to be able to have that in front of me if you know what i mean if that makes sense absolutely and i think it's you know interesting you touch on that sort of second 11 um you know grind um and having having had a few uh sort of professional cricketers on the podcast you know the likes of tom moores john clark tom scully kind of one of the things that's uh you know consistent with 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 some of those guys um is and even nick bertus actually in australia is that um lots of them have have been on that grind having to you know chase the opportunities but having to just take an opportunity when it comes of being put in a situation and then getting the contract off the back of a really big standout performance i suppose in many ways you know you can you could probably chase that grind and and wait for your opportunity and think right okay i'm gonna score a big ton today or gonna take six or seven wickets and and this is gonna be my thing and you know you could maybe chase that and it it just never quite clicked for you or yeah you could turn up and and score a double ton in your first game and and there's your contract i suppose that's the the very fine margins at the 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 sort of elite level of sport yeah absolutely and that that, that's um it was never for me it wasn't like a lack of of chasing opportunity it was more trying to be sensible where i think my opportunities might be and it was thinking right am i am i going to do well enough in this you know what i mean am i going to get a good enough opportunity to take wickets or get a contract in my mind, I just, I just think I thought probably not. So I'm like, what's my best bet going to be? And that's to go down another route while still enjoying my cricket. And be right, you're right, you're right there in terms of getting contracts to certain players. It can, look plays a massive part in it. You score runs or take wickets on the right day. That's all that matters, isn't it? And then you're in. Once, once you're in. Absolutely. And, you know, as I say, it's it's something that's kind of become apparent in, in some of the people that we've spoken to. So, you know, it's interesting to kind of get your take on it from someone on you know, dare I say it's slightly the other side of the fence, but um, yeah, you know, we'll 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 get onto some numbers, and and perhaps people, will, uh, you know, if they don't know what what you've put up on the board, uh, we'll we'll get a sense of why I'm sort of inquiring with you. But uh, before we do that, um, Jimmy, there's a couple of things I, I want to touch on. Firstly, I I just thought I'd give you the opportunity to maybe oh, not set the stall out for Toft CC, but you know, it'd be great to hear in your words um, a little bit more about you know. What makes Toff such a great club for you and, and why you've stayed there your whole career? Oh, how long have you got? <laughs> for me, it's home. Toft, it's just home. It's been home for however many years. It's, it's, it's always just felt 
right in terms of like playing there. I've always gotten with everyone that plays there. Um, I like the family feel of it. I've been playing with friends there from the age of 12, 13, still playing with them now. So the likes of Ed Stubbs, Henry Hughes, Joe Stanley, several more. We've been playing together for so many years. And so it's more than just a cricket club. For, like a lot of people, a lot of different cricket clubs, it's their club is their home. And that's it's the same for me. And I've, I've, I've never once thought about going to play my cricket anywhere else for and the, for not not because of the cricket reasons, for just the club as a whole and the enjoyment. And it's run very well. We've got such a good chairman in Nigel, who just he, he runs the show brilliantly. He'd be very modest when if he ever talked to him about it, though. But he's he's brilliant at what he does, and it's just a very nice family feel. Everyone's always getting going to get an opportunity, whether that's cricket or whether it's off the field, whatever it is. It's just a group of mates trying to play some cricket together and have a laugh. That's the biggest thing about about what we're trying to do, I think. Fantastic. And uh, I'm, I'm going to have to give you a bit of a rub and a bit of shine here. <laughs> um, you, yourself and Ed Stubbs, uh, sort of over the lockdown period, uh, lucky enough to, to pick up a, 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 a Nat West Oscar through Cheshire. Um, and, uh, well, I'll, I'll read you what's on the Cheshire website. Ed Stubbs and Jimmy Lomas were chosen as winners of the Connecting Communities Award for their fundraising efforts and community engagement at Toff Cricket Club. The pair took their previously popular clubhouse quiz online during the pandemic, attracting 100 teams and more than 600 people from Nutsford and the wider area, and raising in excess of £2,000 for NHS charities in the process. Um, firstly, congratulations for that, mate. A, a really great initiative, yourself and Ed Stubbs. You, you must be pretty proud. Yeah, it was. Yeah, absolutely. It's always nice to be recognised for stuff that you do, 100%. But to be honest with you, when it came around and we got invited to the... the the nominations or the award ceremony that was then back in the last year, we were so surprised that we were up with against people, the other people on that list. Um, to be honest, we didn't, when we did it, I mean, everyone said that you don't think about any awards you're going to get for, that's not why you do it. We just wanted to do what we thought was right to keep everyone engaged with the cricket club, keeping people together for the period where they might not be. And that was the biggest part of it. We built up quite a nice little pool of people with our quizzes um, and we just thought, well, we might not see people for four or five months and we don't want to just leave it for four months and then that's it. We're never going to see, we might not see them again. We've just forgotten about them. So we wanted to, um, yeah, just keep in touch with everyone. And it, that first quiz just, it, it blew us away how many people joined us. And I, I, that's one of the few times I've been nervous like in, that, in that sort of scenario. Normally, right, doing those quizzes, it's fine. Like, but when you've got 114 teams in front of you with like nearly four or 500 people on Facebook Live, that is quite that's quite daunting, and um, but it was all it's all good fun, and um, yeah, we're we're still trying to do them now. Excellent. Well, as I say, all, all credit to you and Ed for that, and um, you know, really nice to kind of get a, a flavour and a feel for you know Toff Cricket Club and all the things that you guys are, are doing over there and and your enjoyment throughout the years. Now, Jimmy, you know, we all are cricket badges at heart. Let's be honest, um, and it <laughs> couldn't be a cricket podcast without talking. But, about some numbers, are you uh, are you much of a stats guy? I'm gonna. I, I'd love to say no, but we all know our stats, don't we? <laughs> it's it's a bowler's thing. Let's be honest. It's a <laughs> thing. I, I mean, I try not to look at my batting stats. I, I don't know whether you're you're the same. Although you know you've you've uh, you've you've had a bit of a, a development in the batting department over the last few years. I, no, I notice you've been uh, opening the batting. That's something no self-respecting bowler should ever do. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those where, like, if I told myself a few years before that I was going to be opening the batting, and you thought, no, especially the first year as captain, because <laughs> promoting myself and buying nine, ten jack up to buying one and two, it's quite, 
doesn't look good on paper that does it <laughs> i mean you know there is a degree of narcissism that you might attach to that but no i'm, j- I'm joking of course <laughs> not mate no um i'm sure you had your reasons and one day you can tell it to a judge somewhere um no look <laughs> we're, we're going to talk about some stats mate and uh having big you batting up there we'll, we'll we'll go over the batting stats first um so in all you've played 316 games 203 innings 53 not outs scoring 2874 runs with a high score of 96 not out 1050s bit of a blob in the 100 column or is that incorrect no no it's it's very much empty that column (laughs) um yeah yeah that 96 i don't know if you if you look at that i got 96 not out twice two weeks in a row yes Uh, it's it's just like (laughs) it's it's so gutting i mean the it was that's probably the best I've felt. But the first week was um, away at, at home at Namwich. And to be honest with you, it was probably the right time for me to get out because I'd batted for, it was the 49th, 50th over. And we were only on about 210 for two. So um, Jacko was coming in next. So we need, it was actually the right time for me to get out because he put on 40 and off about 15 balls and we got to like 270. And then it, so I actually worked out. I'd have liked to have been 100 and then got out. Yeah, it is what it is. And then the week the week after was away at Timpley on, I mean, I, no disrespect to Timpley. I, I love the ground. I love the club, but one of the worst wickets I've ever played on. It, it, <laughs> it, 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 it rained all day. It got wet. It was muddy. You know, one of those, every ball that bowls is like a, an inch divot in the ground. It was one of those. Yeah. Um, I remember Pagey running in, as if you know Chris Page from Timpley. Every time I played at Mr. One, he'd just run in your face and scream at you, which just, I, that just tickles me. I find that quite funny. You know what I mean? So it's it's a game of cricket. Like chill out. <laughs> um, and we don't we, we don't we only chased 190, and we ended up. I'd actually buy. I felt I could buy quite well up until we, were, we needed like 10, 10 or twelve to win, and then it was. I think we were eight or nine down, and I was very much in that situation for the first time. Not sure what to do. Do I do we attack? Try and win the game? Do we stitch it? Do we go? You know what I mean? One of those where I was stuck, and if I did it again. If I did it tomorrow, I'd be in a slightly different mindset, but I wasn't really sure how to go about it. So I kind of went half and half, played at missed the last four or five balls. And as I walked off, I think Jones told me, you got 96 again, mate. And I was just like, brilliant, cheers. Not only have we not won the game, I've not got 100 again. <laughs> now, uh, you know, I obviously like to ask a few probing questions on a podcast and create a little bit of uh, drama there Sarah, a bit of tension so my question to you would be is it fair to say that the only reason you're opening the batting now is because you're determined to score 100 <laughs> one day honestly mate one day i want to score 100 <laughs> one day and whether that's a, whether, whether that's a number one or number 11 i don't care i'll get it one day. i don't care if it comes like when i'm playing for the taverners and i'm 65 years old <laughs> that's it's gonna happen. <laughs> it'll happen if you if you chuck enough mud at the wall mate some of it will stick i think that's exactly, <laughs> exactly right and um to be honest with you, the, the, the reason i did it is because we ended up being like 50 for two every week and i was like i'm sick of this so i just sort of did it myself and i thought if we're gonna be 15 for two i'd rather it be me that was out and then we've got someone you know the better players coming in later on but it actually turned out it actually went quite well and i think it bumped my average from like 12 to 20 in like the space of Eight weeks, so yeah, very enjoyable. But as soon as it's one of those when you're captain, you get a couple of noughts, which you're going to get when you open the bat, aren't you? You're going to play and miss it a couple, you're going to nix them. You very suddenly start, you start sliding very quickly back down the order. <laughs> well, uh, all, all credit to you for, for taking a bit of uh, taking a bit of but a few barbs there, mate. Uh, well done. <laughs> now, uh, moving on to the bowling stats. Now, before I do, it is a bit of a tradition. 
to ask you, you know, do, do you consider yourself flirting with that all-rounder status or are you just happen to be a bowler that's opening the batting? I would love to call myself an all-rounder, but on our, and I think at one point, we've got our fantasy cricket thing uh, that we do. I don't know where you guys and Matt do, yeah, yeah, we're, do it. Where, where, we're all over it. Yeah, so um, initially I was down in the bowling category, which was very much right, which I was quite happy with because we had a system where our batters score, whatever runs they score, they got double points for it. So I was very happy as a carry on as a bowler opening the batter. So I was very I was happy doing that. And then I got bumped to be an all rounder and then I didn't score a run again. I was back down the order within three weeks. So so <laughs> I'm a bowler that that bats every now and then. Absolutely. You're a bowler that opens the batting. That's that's something that every yeah. bowler surely must want to be. They don't want Absolutely. to be an all rounder, they want they want to be a bowler that opens the batting. Every every bowler loves batting. They don't. Yeah. Sure, they, I, for me, I find it so enjoyable because it's it's a win win situation. I think at times, like if you don't score runs, it's kind of well, that's kind of that's to be expected. If you do score runs, it's like well, it's, it's a surprise. There you go. I've done well. You know what I mean? It's it's a win win. I can't associate with that uh, line of thinking, mate, because frankly, <laughs> batting spoils cricket for me. Uh, but uh, the less said about my cricket, the better. Let's let's talk about some bowling stats, Jimmy. In total, you bowled three thousand one hundred and forty seven point two overs. 573 maidens, uh, taking 615 wickets with a best bowling of 8 for 41 and a very impressive 36 five-wicket hauls. Strike rate 30, average 19. What do you think about those numbers, mate? I wonder my shoulder hurts. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> a lot of overs. Like, when, you put it, when, you put on, when you say it out loud, that, that is, think about it, it's quite a lot of overs. But it, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's very... It, you're proud of what any numbers like that you can get, but I always want to do better. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, no, nobody's ever satisfied with what they've done. But a couple of things that jump out at me there: three thousand one hundred forty-seven overs, obviously, but within that, five hundred seventy-three maidens. Um, that that's a that's a good a good number. Obviously, six hundred fifteen wickets they don't take themselves, and, and thirty-six fifers, very very good indeed. But, um, you know, bearing in mind you've spent a long portion of your career sort of opening the bowling and, and, and or bowling 24, 25, 26 overs each week um, to, you know, to have that sort of strike rate and, and certainly the average. I think the average of 19 is, is very good indeed. And, yeah, 36 five-wicket hauls is uh, – that's going to be doing some damage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, it was one of those, like, yeah, it's great and I'm very proud to have taken that many. But then there's also the other side of it where I think, during that season, when you bowl 28 overs, I should get that amount of wickets. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you bowl that many overs, you kind of think, well, I should be getting that amount of wickets and I should be... If I wasn't taking that wickets, I wouldn't bowl that many overs. Or if I wasn't bowling that many overs, you know what I mean? It kind of, they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, one leads the other. You're not going to bowl 28 overs and, and, and take two wickets each week. Because um, exactly, yeah. you know, someone else is going to get a gig. But yeah. nonetheless, that's, that's not to take anything away from, um, you know what you've achieved so yeah we've got a couple of games to kind of move on and talk about now um firstly you know it's one you've mentioned uh, a little bit already it's, it's a batting performance um this is from the 25th of august 2018 um it's the uh cheshire prem timperley versus toft uh you won the toss that day and elected to field timperley posted 197 for eight off their 40 overs you didn't open the bowling that day actually you you, you dropped yourself uh down the change bowlers and Andy Jackson and Tom Foster opening the bowling that day. And um, what what do you remember about that innings? Yeah, yeah, picked up burgle one at the end. Well, that's kind of as, as when you take over as captain, it's kind of I, I have bowled less, and that's whether that's subconsciously or consciously. I don't know. I, I would have bowled less overs. That's kind of just what can happen, isn't it? When you when you skipper, you tend to give others opportunities. 
Uh, I remember it being a very wet wicket. If you look at that, uh, uh, that I remember that game. That I think probably, if you look at it, most of the boys would have been would have been seamers. Would have been, I'd imagine so. And yeah, I would have come on at the end trying to try and burgle a couple of wickets, trying like last four or five overs, trying to burgle a couple of cheap wickets, um, which is my prerogative. I think a skipper to go to do that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think we probably what do you say? They got 190. They probably got too many actually uh, on a, on a, on a wet wicket. They got 197 for eight off their 40 overs. Um, but then you know the the bit we uh, we we're here to talk about is not the bowling performance in this particular game. As I say, you mentioned it before. It is one of your ninety sixes. So you uh, you open the batting uh, with Tom Foster, and uh, yeah, ninety six not out. I'm I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going to say it keeps me awake at night, but yeah. <laughs> so close, <laughs> so close. Because <laughs> oh, simply the, the the score isn't on the scoreboard. They just have they just have the team score, the overs, yeah. and the wickets. So yeah, I literally no idea. When I came off, I thought I might have been on seventy or eighty odd, and it, I don't know whether it would have changed my mind a bit if, if I knew I was a mid ninety. I don't know whether I would have changed how I was playing or tried to do something a bit different to get there. I don't really know because one of those at the time I genuinely thought about well, we needed like fifteen to win, eight down. How do we get there? Not even thinking, can I get hundred? And maybe if it was the other way around, I might have ended up chasing it. I don't know. Uh, I think I did that a week before when it was on the board. It was definitely in my mind. And that, that can, if you've not got 100 before, I think, or when you get your first one, it's always in the back of your mind. When you get closer and closer, you think, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm 10 away, I'm five away. And all you think about is trying to get there rather than doing what you've done to get yourself to 90, don't you? So, Do you think, um, had the, the, the individual batsman score been on the board, posing you a tricky question here, do you think that the temptation to kind of, you know, chase the 100 alongside it of course undoubtedly getting your team <laughs> over the line do you think do you think seeing that number on the board would have aided you in you know going for it a bit harder and therefore potentially winning the game or do you think that's kind of in, inconsequential yeah i don't really know it might have gone the other way actually mate it might have been a case of when i saw myself on 70 80 and then you think about it then because i'd missed out the week before i might have then gone actually you start chasing balls you might not have done when you get a little bit closer just to get it done so it could it could it could easily have gone that way. Whereas actually, no, I think it was probably right. With it not being there, I didn't mind it because it meant my focus was purely on trying to win the game. And like I said earlier on, it was I got myself a little bit stuck between what to do, whether it's whether to attack, whether to defend. Um, it was a side uh, Jack White in the side, I think. So we know he's he's now he's now in Northants, and even on a wet, soggy wicket, he was still bowling relatively sharp. And he's got a thing bowling at my head. Because if you look at it, earlier in that season, we played simply at home the day after someone's wedding at the club. And it was the whole, the hottest days ever. I opened the batting that day as well. And he bowled bounces at me for an hour and a half. And it, just, it just didn't stop me. And I just kept ducking and ducking and ducking and ducking. And then I was batting with Jonesy. So we, we were chasing like 360. And he... Um, he came up to me, mate, we, going, we need eight and over. You've got to start going after him. I was like, right, okay. And I was on 81 at the time. That was at the point. That was my highest ever score. And at, at that point, 100 was definitely in my mind. And he said, right, mate, you've got to start taking him on. Next ball, ball's me bouncer. I try and take it on. Go straight up and I'm out. <laughs> and I, I wasn't, <laughs> I walked off. I don't, I don't think I said anything to Rob. But I remember thinking, mate, come on, I, I was so close. <laughs> and we ended up, and we ended up finishing like 60, 70 short. We were never, we were nowhere near winning that game. But, you never know, eh? What, what, what do you what think? Will be, will be. I mean, I'm just stirring it up here now. But do you think he was telling you to go after him 
so that he didn't have to, and therefore you would continue to get the bounces. Well, yeah, maybe. Well, he was. I don't know, he's, he, he's a pre could take it on quite well. I mean, he ended up 130 not out, so he did all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll 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 come on to him in uh, a little bit later, I think, possibly. But um, for now, the other game, um, you know sifting through your stats and your career Jimmy that I want to talk about was uh, a game from the 5th of July 2014 um, and this again was Toft first team versus Nantwich first team uh, Toft won the toss and elected to bat um, yourself you were down at uh, a slightly more respectable number eight that day uh, run out for ten. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah that, sounds, that sounds about right. We're not here to talk about the the batting <laughs> in this particular day. Toft scored 188 all out from 54.3 overs, and uh, in reply, bit of a bit of a close game. Nantwich were all out for 184 in 53.4 overs. Yourself that day, um, you bowled first change, 23 overs, two maidens, seven for 60, but uh, also. I must point out that the uh, the Nantwich side that day featured uh, <laughs> Hasib Hamid, uh, ex-England opening batsman, and uh, Liam Livingston, also an international player. Um, uh, Hasib Hamid opened the batting and, and, and Livingston batted three, both of which were, were victims of yours. What do you remember about this game, mate? I remember thinking 180 is quite a good score at Nantwich. Um, I imagine Jimmy Warrington and Griffiths took some wickets that day. That was probably probably what happened. Um, what I remember about that day? Well, to be honest, it was yeah, it was a bit of a green one at Nantwich. I remember I was bowling down the hill, and I don't think we got a wicket early on. So I think I came on quite early in that day. Uh, and it was, I remember we got they got a bit of a partnership actually. They did quite well. They were they were going quite well as I remember. Yeah, F- Farring- Farrington and Hamid uh, must have put on about seventy or eighty. Yeah, so when when they're eighty for non chase hundred and eighty, you kind of think about well, we need some we need some wickets here. And I think I got I got one of them out. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think it was a C, a C. Yeah, I think the first one was was it Frank Farrington. You said yes. So yeah, I think I got him out. And then Livy came out to bat. And I remember someone our scorer had overheard Livy talking about how to play me. About all you got to do is run at him, hit him over the top, and he'll be out of the attack in no time. So I thought, I'd, and then someone, I'd, someone had overheard it on the boundary, and they come and told me. I just, I just stuck with me that ever since. Um, and then I think about an over two later, Hasib got stumped running at me. And then I, I, I think Livy didn't face many, and maybe the next over so Livy tried to run at me and whack me into the church and missed it by miles. And I, just, I don't know why, but it's all it's just stuck with me. But I don't know. It's just a funny game cricket, isn't it? Where you can you talk about how you're going to attack something, and it goes goes to the way did you uh did you offer either of them any advice about how to play you after you got them out uh well look at where they're over there cricket now and where i am i think <laughs> i think they're probably slightly better than i am hey I listen to... every dog has his day i, I just wanted to know if you pledged them <laughs> <laughs> i probably said something i was quite yappy back when i was that age i, was de- I was definitely did toby's um yapping work for him it was very very vocal from gully in a backward point so i probably would have i probably would have said something but i don't remember what but i think we i think we got women through him quite quickly then if i remember right that day i got quite got on to it got on a bit of a roll you did indeed yeah the next uh well livingston fell for three uh hamid 44 but then uh number four went for three captain doyle went for six and then there probably was a little partnership with the uh, Sam Hunt and Ollie Griffiths sort of got 27 and 14 respectively. You picked up uh, Sam Hunt court. I guess that was nicked off, was it? Yeah, I think so. I think it would have been. And then uh, I bet Griffiths went. I bet they went off off many balls. <laughs> 14 off 11, three <laughs> he, fours. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that's, quite, that's quite slow for Griff. 
I remember, I remember, I remember, I remember us winning the game because I remember us. I remember I got seventh. I thought we walked, and there was a guy called To Fail or T. We used to call him. He got the last couple of wickets quite quickly. And the end of the game, all the chat was about how well tier ball at the end of the game won us the game. And I remember walking off thinking, hey, up, I've just got a seven for it. <laughs> and it's all about T's done well, which he did, but he did ball very well. And I'm being, I'm joking, but it was, um, yeah, it was quite a good win that because it was quite close, wasn't it? It was only by, was it four or five runs, you said? Yeah, um, you bowled Nantwich out for 184 and 53.4 overs. So, uh, yeah, they were, they were about as close as you can get, really. Yeah, it's a good game of cricket, isn't it? Thank you for your continued support of the podcast. Since the debut episode back in March, we have amassed over 7,000 unique downloads and been recognised by the ECB with a national award for proactive leadership in the community as featured recently on Sky Sports. The podcast continues to develop and grow and I would like to take this opportunity to thank all of you, the listeners, for continuing to support and engage with the podcast. The podcast is self-funded and we could not continue to create content without the support of our Patreons. Thanks to our most recent Patreon, John Birchall. For anyone interested in supporting the podcast, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash get it whacked. Or you can click on the link in the description of this podcast. Talking about good games of cricket, mate. Uh, obviously, it's nice to hear about you know some of your, your sort of personal performances with Toft, but um, with it being a Macclesfield Cricket Club podcast, mate, we, we have got to talk about uh, a little bit of Mac and Toft. Um, so we, we've got a couple of games to sort of run over, and you know I, I don't want to spice things up here, but um, you know it'd be, it'd be nice to hear your kind of thoughts on 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 sort of uh, the couple of games I've got to talk about, but just generally, um, you know, perhaps some of your memories of, of, of playing Mac, um, playing at Macclesfield Cricket Club on on Victoria Road, and and you know some of the characters you might have come across over the years. There's a few of those, isn't there? It certainly <laughs> is. I mean, I can, few, ch- I can check some names out you, but you know, I don't I don't want to uh, I don't want to set you up. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you know, what what are your thoughts on on sort of having played at Mac in Victoria Road and and some of the games? To be honest, a lot of games that we've had in the league was a Mac have been very close, and that's why I reckon if you look back over the years and between us and sort of for, would have been what sixteen previously, it, there's a lot of close games in there, and it was always very enjoyable. I, I don't know why, but for me, because I was a Kings Mac lad, I always found playing at Mac not like a second home ground, if you know what I mean, but it felt quite a comfortable place to play cricket. Not that I don't think I ever did, I did particularly well there, but I always enjoyed going and playing at Mac just because it, it felt quite... Because I grew up in Mac as well when I was a kid. It just felt quite a nice environment for me to go, to go and play some cricket. And it was... Because I know so many people there. It was um, yeah, always very welcoming, I felt. That's a personal point of view anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know... Thoughts on the pitch? I suppose it's not really your type of <laughs> type of wicket or ground. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's not. There's not much benefit of chucking them up. It's, you, you, you end up ch- you're chasing a Victoria Road to get your balls back, or you go into the hospital to go and get them. Well, we don't yeah. need to, we don't need to talk about um, players from Toft and Victoria Road and cricket balls. Um, I otherwise. thought I thought that they, I thought they were the games you were going to talk about. When you talk uh, about Jacko's two hundred, I thought that was the whole point of this. No, we we, <laughs> we tried to avoid talking about Andy Jackson's hundreds wherever possible because um, we're still trying to find one of the balls he sent to orbit uh, <laughs> to Bollington. <laughs> anyway, having done what I was trying not to, um, you know, I've I've got to press you on a, on a few of the characters. You know, any thoughts on some of the players you've come up against? You know, you've got the likes of Sawaz and Parfit you've mentioned there, but you've also got some of the uh, the more spicy characters of Porter, Melrose, 
Cross. Any uh, any words of wisdom on these types? Crossy. Unbelievable bloke. I actually worked with Crossy at um, Triggery Hall. So I did, he, we both did some, I did some bar work or he was working at some capacity as well. So I knew Crossy quite well. But he's always got something to say, hasn't he, Crossy? There's always a word, there's something. He's not, he's not abusive in any way, but he always got a little sentence every now and then he says. Just gets in people's ears. Which I like that as a keeper. Though. You, want, you want to do that. I mean, some people would say he just talks absolute rubbish, but uh, I mean, you're being yeah. very polite, so that's fine. <laughs> no, he, he does send his he does send his best wishes for what it's worth. I'm sure, I'm sure he does. And then, yeah, if you look at I mean, remember Porter, I remember playing at Porter when I, against Porter when I was younger. He always just looked like the typical old school sort of cricketer, like bats in a cap, really thick, wide bat, like plays with his front pad, doesn't play with his bat. How am I ever going to get past that? You know what I mean? And trying to noodle around the third man and flying leg, and yeah. What, what, what can you tell us from, uh, well, I, I can't really say one spinner to another because Rob Porter's ever spun a ball in his life and if it ever does deviate, <laughs> it's because it's hit a, a rock or a snake or something. But what can you tell us about uh, Rob Porter's bowling? Very good at changing his pace. I'll give him that. That was what I was, because he didn't spin it very well. Very good at changing his pace and quite clever. And he probably outdid a lot of people you know, in the air. Trying to, I'm going to try and whack this. This guy's got nothing. I'm going to try and whack him out of the park. And then before you know it, you really know it, Paul's picked up three or four out for nothing. And how's that happened? I bet he's got a lot of wickets. Oh, I, d- I don't even want to discuss how many wickets yeah. he's got, but uh, it's <laughs> it's something we're all, we're always asking ourselves how, how Rob Porter gets <laughs> wickets. But what what I, I think you know, the, us keener thinkers put it down to is that he's uh, he's sort of quite a divisive character, and people just want to whack him. And then when he comes yeah. up and bowls moon balls and straight breaks, it's it's pretty hard, as you say. You know, changing yeah. changing that pace. The higher you bowl it, you know, the quicker it comes down. Yeah, and that was exactly it. And he reminds me of Nigel a little bit and soft, and that he just comes quite a gentle run up and just drops him on a length and just makes you do the work. And like you say, it's quite clever and wily. And at club, at club cricket, it works very well. And he's and that, I can't let I'm, you say that for, for you to compare <laughs> Rob Porter to your esteemed chairman. Nigel Muirhead is is is. Uh, Nigel, Nigel hasn't turned the ball in twenty years. I've never seen him turn one. <laughs> we get we're getting to the good stuff here. Shots are being fired. This is this is what we like. Divide and conquer, mate. We're, we're, that's what we're here to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Nigel, Nigel knows that though. Nigel, Nigel, Nigel balls all the way swingers, and if you see Nigel's feel, he set he balls straight and has a feel on the leg side. Doesn't spin it. Makes it makes you do the work though. And he's, I reckon if you look at Nigel's record, he's got hundreds of wickets. Yeah, so correct. it works. It works. And and so is Rob. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, uh, the last thing I must ask is, um, you know, Macclesfield over the years have, have possibly, dare I say, it, had a, a bit of a reputation for, um, at times, uh, playing well, some pretty hard, aggressive cricket. Um, you know, have you kind of... Without uh, exposing too much here, have you, have you ever been in one of the sort of more spicy games with a bit of needle flying around? Obviously, we always say we're the first team to to congratulate an opposition uh, behaving the right way, and we'll always stay for a beer, that sort of stuff. But you know, it'd be nice to hear from from someone who's played against Mac a, a wee bit. Um, we talk about Macclesfield as as playing pretty aggressive cricket. You know what, what it's like for someone like yourself and 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 having to face that. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, when I, when we talk about playing aggressive cricket, yes, but that's that's what you want. I think you want you want sides to come and have a go at you and come and try and play hard cricket. They try and go they go hard at bad balls. Sometimes go hard at good balls. Um, <laughs> and and but you, but the most important thing about that is the minute that the game's over. It's I think some of the mat lads are the first ones that are in the in the bar. And you got there are some clubs where they'll disappear or they'll sit 
I've known some clubs to bring their own beer to our home ground before and sit in the outfield by themselves. I just think that's a bit rubbish. So no matter no matter how you play cricket, I've always got from Mac is they're, they're going to enjoy a few beers after the game with you, whether that's at our place, whether that's at your place, wherever it is, which to me, that's half of why we play cricket. And it's, you, it's, it's a conversation you have with people after a game or however, whatever it is. If you go out with certain people after a game, that's that's why you play cricket, isn't it? That's why we do it. And it's you're always going to get that with the Mac lads. Yeah, absolutely. And and as much as I'm sort of pulling your leg a bit and stirring it up, it's, you know, bit, all joking aside, it, it's kind of nice to, to, to hear that from, from you know, someone like yourself. And and um, it's why I kind of wanted to reach out, like I said, and, and start uh, inviting a few few players on from around the county. Um, now, that being said, I've, you know, I've, I've uh, posed you a few tricky bits there and, and it would only be right to talk about a couple of tough games. And uh, rather than sit here and dig up games where Mac have absolutely given Toft a pumping, I've gone down the straight and narrow route and, and tried to find some just really great games of cricket. Um, the first one is a game from the 27th of July 2013. Um, Toft won the toss and elected to field. Macclesfield scored 282 for nine, declared off 54 overs, obviously offering Toft that extra over, um, you know, leaving them 56 overs to bat. Ben Morrison's captain that day. He opened the batting with uh, then overseas Nick Ross. Uh, Rossi scored 100 that day. Khaled Sawas, Rob Porter, all chipping in. Andy Hodgson uh, with 38. And then um, down towards down towards the bottom, <laughs> shall we say. There's a little bit of a story I'm going to tell in a minute, but the... Uh, the meat and potatoes of the innings were Makosu, 282 for nine of 54 overs. Uh, yourself, you opened the bowling that day, 27 overs, four maidens, five for 99. Um, do you remember too much about the Macclesfield innings? 282 is a, is a decent score, I think we'd say. Yeah, I do, I, the one thing that sticks on mind is, is I remember bowling Andy Hodgson because he was a Kings lad who was a few years younger than me, I think. So I think when I was first team captain, he was in year 10, maybe. I remember... I was I was born with my Rob Porters. I was born with donkey drops to him because he kept trying to come, try, trying to whack me. He kept trying to run at me and whack me out the park. And I was bowling slower and slower and slower at him. He kept, what? It's too hard for me to hit. Why wouldn't you let me hit them? Was generally what he was trying to say to me. I was like, mate, are you serious? I'm always, gonna, <laughs> I'm just going to give you an easy ones to try and whack. So that, that sticks in my mind. And, and you say Nick Ross got injured. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. He got runs all the time. Yes, he did. A hundred off one hundred and eight balls, uh, fifteen yeah. fours. Um, Rob Porter, as much as I'm loath to to celebrate in his cricketing success, he scored fifty eight off sixty nine balls, five did balls. Did I get him out? I'm sure I got him out. You did indeed. One six. Yes. yes. Rob Porter bowled <laughs> James Lomas, caught Rob Jones, and then uh, yeah. Rob Jones got Andy Hodgson out, who probably would have come in and, and hit some pretty long balls, knowing Andy Hodgson. So, yeah, you know, as I said, you figures 27 overs, four maidens, five for 99. Um, and then in reply, obviously, as I said, Toft were then left 56 overs in which to knock off 282. Um, and they did just that. And from what <laughs> I'm led to believe, this was uh, an incredibly exciting game of cricket. Obviously, from a Macclesfield perspective, disappointed to be on on the back end of it but you know like i said i'm gonna find good games of cricket ir irrespective of the outcome um you know james drummond opened the batting scored 89 uh and then rob jones at, at number three scored 100 which we'll, we'll talk about in a minute and then the other mainstay of the innings was uh captain toby drummond with 57 with some fairly brutal hitting from what some of the mac lads have said to me 
Um, and basically, Toft got over the line 285 for 5 in 55.2 overs. So obviously, just the four balls remaining. Um, what do you remember of the Toft innings, mate? What a game that is. I mean, that, 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 what a game. To, that's, that's quite funny when you declare an over early and lose a game in that spare over. That's, that's gutting, isn't it? But no, um, I've, just another Rob Jones masterclass. I think he, he, he ran the show, which he did many times. Uh, and then, like you said, Toby came in and just did what I imagined he would have shifted over to the offside and tried to bunt Barney and Porter and Ian Tate over, on, over the leg side, which he probably did quite a few times if he got 50 odd. Yeah. Just a, he's got a good day out. And I, like you say, winning it in the last over, someone someone must have come in and done quite well in that last over. And then we would have gone nuts, I'd imagine. <laughs> I dare say you would have. Well, there's there's a few little uh, anecdotes from, from some of the Mac lads that I just wanted to uh, sort of mention. Well, go to on. Firstly, from Barney, who uh, sends you his best wishes. Uh, he hopes <laughs> you very well. He um, he remembers from the game that you bowled very well that day and, and kind of kept going. A big, typical stint of a lot of overs. Um, and uh, Barney said Rob Jones scored an absolutely superb 100 that day. Um, and Barney kind of felt it was a little bit of a coming-of-age moment. Um, I don't know if that was his first... 100 or his first first team 100 or league 100 um but you know barney's overriding sort of memory of that was that it was a real sort of coming of age moment for rob um is that something you would agree with like i said i'm unsure if that was his first one it would have been one of his earlier ones that's for sure um and yeah and it, when rob first started playing for us he was a leg spin who batted a bit so he got he, he came in ball boston leg spin by still by quite the order as as he sort of developed so probably would in that year and a couple of years after that really turned himself into a, a proper batter and a proper player and was then winning games for us. That's that's when you knew he was starting to really become a good player. He wasn't just getting like a good innings. He was then winning his games. And and there was a couple of years where we we probably stayed up by the skin of our teeth. And that would have been because well, if it was not Jake getting winning his games, it was Rob winning his games. So he was he was then carrying us through, which is which is what good players do, don't they? They they don't just do the score runs; they win games for you. Absolutely, yeah. Um, talking of sort of Barney and Ports, there, uh, Ports uh, had a bit of a, a memory. He uh, he mentions that in the in the first innings. Um, <laughs> Here we go. Chris Moore's Moore's uh, to his mates batting uh, number nine. There, he uh, he scored seven or fifteen balls. And uh, Porter remembers that Barney was absolutely spewing about the fact that Morza had gone in ahead of him. So <laughs> sort of questioning the captaincy decisions of Bimo. Uh, Chris Moore's, uh, yeah, 7 off 15. And uh, Porter basically said that, that Morza was stitching it batting first, um, which, which wasn't improving the mood of Barney, who then came in and, and to his credit, whacked 16 off 12 balls, uh, sort of pushing the score up a little bit. Um, do, do you remember Morza batting a little bit slowly there? Or is, or is Porter stirring it up? Because Barney well, did say to me he was pretty annoyed about the fact that he was batting number ten. I mean, well, he's stirring it, isn't he? Absolutely stirring it. I mean, I mean, I think I think Barney's right to be right, right to be to be annoyed. But I think one thing we, we won't disagree was Tatey batting at eleven. <laughs> yes, Tatey was batting yeah. at eleven. Yeah, I bet, I bet he wasn't arguing to get the order, was he? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Tatey's a strange one, isn't it? Because he can hit a long ball. Later on in his career, he he suddenly worked out that you know he was sort of six foot seven and had arms as long as trees. And actually, if he yeah. got on it, it just disappeared. He can, but... he can really hit a long ball. It's one thing. It's the opposite of what I've got. I wish I'd have those levers. You just swing at everything, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, talking of, of swinging a long ball, 
Andy Curly Moores, talking of uh, nippy wicket keepers there, uh, was was playing in that particular game, and, and he told me that he remembers Toby Drummond came out and absolutely smashed it everywhere, and and sort of basically, you know, got you as close as you could be without winning the game. But he also remembers, in, in typical Mac fashion, he's just giving a bit of a needle here. He remembers Rob Jones uh, getting to his hundred, and in his own words, squealing and squeaking when he got his hundred. <laughs> Well, have you seen have you seen the celebration when Rob got his first hundred for Langs? I haven't. I, no. If, if you if you've not, if no if anyone listened to this has never seen that, I urge you to go onto YouTube and just search Rob Jones first class hundred. The celebration when he got his hundred was unbelievable. And those those guys that know Rob know he he very much wears his heart on his sleeve and is a very emotional guy, and it, it does come out of him. And he he just shows he shows what he's feeling, and he would have done every time he got hundred in a game like that where it meant something. He would have just he'd have lost he'd have lost a plot and he'd have gone off. He did it when he he did it he did it with his ball and sometimes actually when he wasn't like that it was when I actually did, he didn't he wasn't really in the contest and then every now and then normally he was bowling when he was back but he would pick a fight with someone in in you know not a physical fight but like a verbal fight he'd pick someone in, and he'd go at them and then all of a sudden that got him up and got him in the game and as soon as you saw that right get him in get him bowling get him, just get him involved because as soon as he's up and about with someone. He's he's in the contest and then he's and then he's on. So that's what you want. If you if you see Rob nipping at people, right? Well, he's he's on it. Just to to round out the the sort of Mac anecdotes from the game, Tom Parfit Parf also said that it was an incredible innings from Rob and a, a great knock from Toby at the end to kind of steer Toff towards victory. So you know, obviously, congratulations to the Toff team that day. But as you said, uh, more so than anything, just what a fantastic game of cricket by the sounds of it. Yeah, that's why we play, isn't it? Jimmy, talking of Tom Parfit, I do have a couple of little stories that I, I've got to press you about here. Um, Parf, uh, Parf, Parf mentioned to me that uh, the pair of you played an away game for, for sort of Cheshire Developmental, so I guess Cheshire Second Team, whatever you want to call it, up at Newcastle, in uh, in which the team manager had to be uh, guided by the, the security from the hotel uh, to go and awaken you uh, from your bed on the lawn at the front of the hotel uh, and escort you back to your room where Parth then later that evening, not to be confused with the morning, I'm sure, found you asleep fully clothed in the bath. Um, <laughs> in, uh, in his defence, he did say, what, did, what do you expect would happen when uh, a bunch of 20-something-year-olds go away for a second team game? And, and we've already heard from Craig Melrose about his experience of playing second team uh, Cheshire games. <laughs> Yeah, well, you're exactly right. That's that's kind of what it was. Like we were all about early twenties, I'd say maybe yeah, probably early twenties. And you let loose in Newcastle for the night out. Well, what, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, and I, the re- I think the reason I was in the bath because I'm sure I was sharing a room with Paul. You were, you were sharing a room um, with Paul. Yeah, I'm, I don't blame him for putting me, for me going in the bath. Then I mean, wouldn't you? I'm not going. I've already done that. If I was sober. I'm not sharing a bed with Paul. <laughs> I mean, he is. He's. Uh... He's a curious human being, what could I say? But he did say to me that uh, I think um, you got to the game next day and ended up bowling first. And um, he said that he's never felt so ill on a cricket pitch um, and, and therefore he has no idea how you were feeling, but it can't have been pleasant. Did he mention I got six before lunch? No, he didn't mention that. All yeah. he to- all he told yeah. me was that the opposition smashed it everywhere and got a lot of runs. Yeah, I got six. They might have done the second dig. I think they did. But I got six before lunch. I remember. I remember that thinking, "How the hell have I done that?" <laughs> could, could you see? Let's be honest. No, I, well, I don't know. I couldn't tell you what happened. No, I, just, I just know that I got six. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you any of them, and I couldn't. I couldn't really tell you much about that night before. But I remember I got six with six of them. 
before lunch. And I thought, I genuinely thought, phew, I've got away with it. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I thought if I, right, so if, I think it was my it was my first away day in Cheshire. So my first away day, I've been, I've been carried to bed from the lawn by our team manager at like two, three in the morning. So he won't be happy with me. I don't think he said much to me the next morning. And then I thought, I'm, I'm thinking, if I don't do well today, I'm, that's me. I'm never going to play again. And then I, I luckily got, I got I got some wickets and I thought I got away with it. And he still gave me a spray at the end of the day anyway. But I think it kind of softened the blow a little bit. So I thought I got away with it. Well, talking of Parth, you know, he did give me another little story from, from your time at Kings. He uh, he mentioned in a, in a in a particularly sort of fraught uh, game on, on the front field at Kings, first team fixture, probably with half the school watching on. Um, you sprinted away, chasing a ball, going to put in a big stop and, and, and save a four. Um, sprinted towards the pavilion and then proceeded to, to cause severe criminal damage to it and yourself. <laughs> uh, can you tell me what he's referring to? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I could, I, could, I, I can remember, I remember like it was yesterday. Yeah, so I, I think we were playing Nottingham uh, and it was early on in the game. It might have been like second or third over the day. And I was stood at th- second or third slip. No idea why I was there. Um, <laughs> and the ball went, the ball, the ball went towards. Nicked, like, nicked it or glided down to a third man whatever it was I remember chasing after it and I remember thinking right I'm going to get there and then I, when you real, everyone's got that moment where you think right I'm not going to get there so you start to slow yourself up but then those that have been to like most most people you've been to Kings you see how short from the boundary edge the pavilion is it's, it's like a metre it's nothing and I went to put my hand on the wall to stop myself because I was running too quick and I think I sort of slipped a little bit on the concrete and then my left hand rather than going on the wall went straight through the bottom left hand window pane and then before I knew what I'd done, I pulled it straight back out again. And it, all the glass had just gone straight through my wrist. So it went through my arteries, nerves, veins, everything, the whole thing, straight through it. And it was, I, I painted the way changing room in that shade of red. <laughs> and um, yeah, I remember, I remember, I remember Steve Moore running out of the score box. Like, and then someone whipped the belt off, wrapped it around my wrist and held my arm up. And that was it. That was it. I was sort of, from then it was a bit of a daze after that. It was all a bit like, what on earth's going on? But yeah, that was a, it was a, it was an interesting, interesting day. I think after that day, they put um, some bulletproof glass in the pavilion, or at least stronger glass that a, a 15-year-old boy can't put their arm through. Very, very good. Well, thanks to Pa for uh, sending over a, a couple of little funnies yeah. there, and, and all credit to you for kind of uh, taking those on the chin for what they are. <laughs> now, uh, before we wrap up the podcast, mate, obviously we mentioned right at the start, you've taken this journey towards coaching now, um, and it's something you, you know, you're know you actively pursuing. It's it's your business interest. It's your, your full-time passion now. Um, and I thought, obviously, it'd be great to just kind of allow you a bit of time to, you know, not plug what you're doing, but just tell everyone where, where they can engage with you if, if they're interested in, in kind of booking some coaching when that becomes available, potentially outside, or indeed um, any of the courses and things you've got online. Um, yeah, and just just tell us what you've got going on. Yeah, so like I said before, I've kind of got several different arms of, I say, brand or business, whichever you want to call it. Um, so at the moment, everything I'm doing is online. Uh, so I'm doing some online classes. So I'm doing three of those a week at the moment. Uh, and then I'm also doing a couple of one-to-one sort of personal training sessions. But then from from that, I'm also doing kind of big focus on fitness for cricketers. It, I think there's a bit of a gap in the market there. What I found over the last few months, there's been a bit of a gap. And there's a lot of, let's say, um, club cricketers that sort of want to do, want to get a little bit fitter at their, 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 for their sport, but aren't really sure how to sort of uh, focus their training onto that. So I'm kind of trying to do as much of that as possible, trying to get that message across. Hence why I've also released a sort of 12-week ebook or guide, however you want to call it, that was it's called the Pre-Season Project. 
the aim of that was to a home version anyway during this lockdown for people to take get some good training done at home with minimal kit to get themselves in the best possible shape for um for this season because my my sort of fitness philosophy was um, I don't mind losing a game or not being selected for something if it wasn't good enough but I could always control my fitness so therefore if I'm not if I'm not selected for something because or I lost a game because someone was fitter than me I can't live with that that annoys me and it sort of stemmed from when I was at university that I soon very quickly realised that I was surrounded by 15, 20 cricketers that were all better than me. But I, I said to myself, well, at least one thing I can do is try and be the fittest I can be. And so that worked, that worked quite well. I ended up doing quite well at university, got selected for a combined universities trip on the back of having not missed a training session in three years. So I just, just tried to commit, commit myself to training as, as much as I could. And so that sort of stayed with me the whole way through. And I want to try and get that message across as much as possible with my own training and then obviously with actual coaching and one-to-one stuff at the moment it's not possible but as soon as I'm allowed back outside again then I'll be doing as much coaching as, as possible and I'm hoping I'll be quite busy this summer and that'll be ranging from some juniors I've had some sessions with five six-year-olds I've had some with first team cricketers I've had some with uh, some older guys some guys that play over 50s I've had some guys in the 60s it was the first ever session so a real broad range of people who want to get better at their cricket and I'm just there to try and help them as much as possible. Not try and overcoach, just try and give them the ability to learn as much as possible about their own game and that bit of that self-discovery and a bit of encouragement. Another side of what I'm trying to do, which I think is a big gap, is that mental side of cricket, which I think a lot of coaches will do, which is right. They'll do a lot of stuff, but they'll drill shots for hours and hours or get people to drill for hours and hours, which is great. You get very good at those certain things. But what I think is the key point is making sure you're ready for scenarios that you end up in in a game. So it's all well and good. You've got a perfect on drive. But are you any good at doing that when you're 15 for four? So a big part of what I'm trying to do is trying to get those plays in that mindset of, right, the score is 15 for four. I've got one. I've got a brand new ball that's hooping around corners with my dog stick. I've set a field with some cones. And right, I'll try and get them to play that scenario. So then when they come to that scenario on a Saturday, it's it's not new to them and hopefully they'll succeed a bit better at it. And so that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at with stuff and it's all still growing. I'm all still learning about certain things and I'm trying to pick up, uh, like you mentioned, Tom Scully before. So I'm a big follower of him, uh, follow his stuff online and take a couple of hints from him, try and be as much of a sponge as possible, you know, just try and take certain things in from other coaches. And then so just try and pass that on. And I suppose that's kind of it, mate. Just trying to help as many people as I can because I think I'm in a good position to do so. Fantastic. And if people do want to kind of engage with you or, or follow along or indeed look at some of the things you're offering, um, where can they do that? Online's a good place to start. So we've got an, on Instagram, it's Jimmy Lomas Coaching or at Jimmy Lomas Coaching. And then on Facebook and Twitter, it's just Jimmy Lomas. It's just on my, my normal pages on there. If they want to take hold of me by email, it's just Jimmy Lomas Coaching at gmail.com, in which I'm, I'm on my phone quite a lot. So I'm fairly quick with my responses. And yeah, um, anyone wants to get in touch, I'd be glad to have a chat. Fantastic. And then lastly, um, I notice one of the the other great similarities between um, ourselves at Mac and, and yourselves at Toft. Um, we are both venturing into having our first sort of uh, ladies and girls cricket setups this year. And I think I'm right in saying you're actually doing the same thing as us. Um, we're both entering um, a ladies team into a softball league um, initially with a view to them getting them into hardball cricket later on. And, and of course, hundreds of girls kind of coming through our you you know junior coaching setups and, and progressing towards having a girls team um, and I understand you, you're pretty involved with that at Toft so yeah any, anything you kind of want to tell us about that yeah so it's 
it's kind of snowballed, really. I mean, this I think it was this time last year I sat down with uh, Joe and Kerry from Cheshire um, with us wanting to have a women and girls section. And I've, wanted, I've wanted to have one for a while. We just never got around to doing it. And it's one thing at top that we, 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 we don't have. Like, there's not many girls that have played at the eight, uh, junior level and it's something I think we need to change. Um, and so then obviously COVID happened last year, so we kind of got put on a back burner and we thought, well, we'll attack it in 2021. And I actually spoke to one of the parents of one of the, the lads I was coaching and she was asking about women's cricket at the club. And so I explained what the reason why we hadn't done it that year. She said, well, I'm sure even if you did it next week, we'd still people would still come down and do it. So that sort of got us thinking. And we sat down at a committee and we sort of came up with this family fun day whether you want to call it, where we had uh, our all-star session and then we had our first women's taster session. Um, and I thought, genuinely, I thought we'll get five or six women to come down. They'll enjoy it and then I'll see them again in March. Uh, and 24 women came. Uh, it was unbelievable. So um, Joe from Cheshire ran it. She was brilliant. Uh, and then it's just kind of snowballed from there. So every Saturday since then, unless you've been in lockdown, they've been at Toft, come rain, shine, snow, I kid you not, they've been there every Saturday, um, learning, trying to get better every week. And I can honestly say it's some of the most enjoyable coaching I've ever done, just because the willingness to learn is brilliant. And they just want to get better and better. And it, I really enjoy it. And I'm really excited to try and hopefully grow that department of our club, get them playing as much cricket as we can this summer. And the key part is, I think we've, so we've got the women's section is then hopefully from that, there'll be some role models for them for us to try and grow a girls section with like under 11s, 13s, 15s. That'll be the next challenge. We want to get our women's section going first. Uh, we've got these plans of a Friday night at Toft where we're going to have a ladies' night. So they'll play every Friday night at Toft. Uh, try and get it to be the busiest place in Nutsford and then play some, play some games against other clubs if we can, or whether it's going to be internal. It depends what restrictions allow, but um, yeah, just let it let it grow and let it be what it will be. But really excited by that. Well, I'm sure the uh, the Mac women's side will look forward to uh, beginning a healthy relationship and a rivalry with the, with the women's side. It's off, mate. <laughs> Absolutely, maybe not as spicy as some of the some of our games, but although you never know, you never you never know. Do you? It could be could get quite interesting. But no, very much looking forward to that. I'm sure we'll you know we'll unearth the next uh, Craig Melrose or Andy Jackson when it comes to having a chat. <laughs> <laughs> i'd love to see that <laughs> very good mate well look before we wrap the podcast up i just wanted to ask you for you know your plans for the coming season uh perhaps with regards to kind of you know the first team it's often and your own personal cricket yeah so from a top point of view i mean obviously the aim is we'd love to win the league that's that's the, that's always got to be the aim i think in previous years it's been a case of right can we stay up and then have a good cup run but i think i think we're in a position now where we can seriously consider ourselves to to have a good go at it Obviously, it will depend how much we get out of, out of Rob, out of Jonesy, and that will depend on restrictions with Lancashire, etc. But when Rob plays, it's always it's always great. It's a massive boost. You kind of get three players, don't you? Get a batter, a bowler, and a good fielder. Rob Semi's left us this year, so that's a bit of a gap for us. But we're hoping that someone's going to come in and fill that spot, whether that's internal or externally. Uh, that'll be that's still to be decided. Um, we want to have another crack at the T20 like we did a couple of years ago. And we think we're, our side is very well suited to that format. With the way we, the, the power we've got, some players like James Scott, Andy Jackson, uh, Tom Forster, got another guy came in last year called Tom Rowe. Um, so guys are very suited to that format. Um, so that's something again we want to try and push as well. And whether whether we get as far as we did in 2019, you never know. But you can always try. And on a personal point of view, a big part of me is trying to grow what I'm doing from a coaching point of view. But then personally, in terms of playing, 
do well. That's I've 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 gone I've come away from setting a target of getting thirty wickets or fifty wickets or whatever it is and scoring four hundred runs because then I find myself being fixated and chasing a number too much and not actually worrying about the process. If I just try and focus each week on my process of bowling as well as I can, because I know that if I bowl as well as I can, that only helps the team. So that's kind of how I'll try and approach that. And we'll just see how we get on, see how we go, and we'll, we'll, we'll do the best we can. And then you reevaluate it after the first few games and after halfway and just do as best we can and hopefully come across Mac at some point. Fantastic, mate. Look, Jimmy, I have to say it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm really glad to have you on as a, your sort of first guest from around the county um, and just offer you the, uh, the chance for any closing remarks before we wrap up the podcast. Well, just uh, thanks very much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. I'm very, very happy to be the first of Around the Grounds, whatever you want to call this this series. Um, yeah, it's, it's been great to come on. I love talking, love talking cricket. It's been great. Which we're not doing that much at the moment because we're not we're not with in winter next to everyone talking about cricket. So it's very nice to to sort of reminisce and talk about games that might have been slightly not forgotten about, but put on a back burner. Especially talking about yeah close games in the past and looking back at certain stories about certain things. Yeah, it's very enjoyable, and I really appreciate you having me on. Mate, it's been a great pleasure. Thanks very much, and uh, you know we look forward to seeing you soon. You too. Take care. 